broadcasting from the 72nd floor of First Canadian Place in the heart of Toronto's financial district, this is Hashtag Finance, the podcast that profiles innovative entrepreneurs and thought leaders operating in the public markets. Presented to you by the CSE, the exchange for entrepreneurs. Uh, welcome to another edition of Hashtag Finance. I'm your host, Barrington Miller, and this is a special edition because not only do I have the beloved and well-respected Alan Brockstein from uh, 420 Investor and New Cannabis Ventures, but we are doing this on Skype via the 72nd floor of First Canadian Place in downtown Toronto. Alan, where in the world are you? I'm in the warm Houston, Texas. Uh, it's cold here. We got snow a couple days ago, and it's really, really annoying, and I'm a little jealous. I'll see you in June. That's all I have to say. <laughs> but, it, you know, it was great to see you in uh, Chicago recently. It wasn't too cold there, and I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to chat then uh, as much as we will today, but this is exciting. But the basis of Chicago uh, led to today, uh, yeah. for, those, for those listeners and viewers, Alan and I have basically been playing tag uh, since January when we uh, hooked up in Miami, Miami. Yep. so that was uh, that was good really really good conference and uh, Alan is a very well-respected voice uh, for the cannabis industry and uh, some would say a market guru of sorts you, you said beloved earlier I'm, I'm gonna take that one back I don't know if I'm beloved but uh, hopefully respected and more of a pioneer I would say you are a pioneer and a trailblazer and people still go to you and your subscription services uh, when they want to know what's going on so let's talk about what's going on sure. we're in Toronto and let's talk about some Toronto things the first one being Drake yeah Drake has recently announced his partnership with Canopy uh, and I believe he is taking uh, with his with his new company He's going to be 60% owner, and Canopy will be 40%. Now, the reason I wanted to bring this up and talk about it a little is Health Canada has some strict guidelines regarding uh, cannabis promotion. Very, very strict. Now, Drake being the megastar that he is, is the owner of the company. So this is sort of blurred lines because... If he does talk about it, if he does uh, do whatever he wants, as he can, as the owner, majority shareholder of his company, what do you what what would you do if you were Health Canada? Should he be allowed to do it? Can he do it? Dude, this is a problem with Canada. Why, why are we even talking about this? There's so many problems, and we're talking about should Drake be able to do this or not? And uh, you know, they're not paying him to do it, so it's kind of interesting and. I think the bigger uh, issue, Barrington, is you know they, they were stuck with this Vedrican factory, and I think that's that's what they're using here, if I'm not mistaken, in Scarborough. And uh, so it's nice to see there's, there's such a deep story here. Uh, number one, you know Bruce Linton's gone, and one of his legacies was the deals that he put together with uh, Seth Rogen and, and Snoop Dogg and uh, Martha Stewart. And so now it's, it's it is kind of interesting to see the the new canopy, or let's call it constellation. Uh, kind of reinforcing that concept and you know it's really tough the, the competition in Canada is so intense and we're not talking about between Aurora and, and Canopy and, uh, and Afria we're talking about with the black market and so 
I kind of like this concept. I don't know if it works that, that great. We'll see. Uh, I haven't really seen data out of Houseplant, I think it's called, the Seth Rogen yep. uh, LP. But, uh, you know, I think that Canopy Growth in their empire building uh, efforts, they ended up with a lot of assets that they need to repurpose. And I think that's what's going on with, with this asset, actually, and, uh, the, for the Drake company, more, more growth. What I what I really like seeing is, as you've been a pioneer, we've as the Canadian Securities Exchange have been involved in the industry since day one. You don't know which way this river is going to bend and flow. And when this announcement came out, it's like, oh right, of course he can he can do this, or he should be allowed to do this, or this is great. We didn't sort of see this coming, but it's a it's a natural uh, evolution um, yeah. uh, for this. And you mentioned- I think people should copy it, Barrington, instead of if anybody's going to complain to Health Canada, just go do their own deal like this. And, uh, absolutely. Uh, that, that's kind of my attitude on it. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Canopy Growth, and by the way, I meant to disclose they are client in Canada Ventures, and I'll try to mention that any other time. But we have a disclaimer that mentions all the clients. But uh, Canopy Growth has been pushing the envelope for a long time, figuring things out ahead of others. And it's, it's brilliant in, in, in their defense. I don't know if this one works or not. We'll see. But... Uh, once again, they're, they're, they're the trailblazers, not uh, me. Yeah, no, we, um, I remember a few years ago uh, when MedMen started advertising on satellite radio. And I, <laughs> what are the rules for that? It's, uh, yeah. it's space. So uh, getting back to Bruce Linton, um, he's been now named the executive chairman at Vireo, another CSE-listed company. Another client of ours, by the way. What does this mean for... For him, it seems that because uh, again, he's he's basically a rock star in the industry. Uh, wherever he goes, people will go, people will follow. Uh, by him choosing Vario or Vario choosing him, what sign does this uh, put for the industry? Put for Vario? Uh, just what are your what are your comments? Yeah, you know, so Bruce is a good friend of mine, and, and I, I, I will say uh, what I want to say. He respects that. He doesn't, uh, uh, I mean, if I say something incorrect, he's going to give me a hard time. But, but I will say uh, that I was not pleased with some of his choices, and I let him know. I won't go into detail, but, you know, he, you've got to know Bruce. It, it just killed him not so much to have to leave Canopy, but to not have something to do. And I think he, he kind of rushed into his other things, maybe. Uh, I think he had three announcements, and... I'm going to say one of them for sure I was really curious about. We, we discussed that, so I'm not, you know, I'd sort of be real clear. I'm not just talking about who's behind his back. But uh, I like this one. And uh, as I said, Vareo is a client of uh, New Canvas Ventures, and I've, I've known Kyle Kingsley for several years now. And they're not super capital markets savvy, and I think Bruce brings that to them. And if you think about the matches, if, if you were to go through all the places, that are, the publicly traded companies, let's say, where Bruce could have ended up. I, I really think this is one of the very best fits uh, for him. Uh, Bruce, for a long time, has been elaborating on his views that it's really medical or pharmaceutical that's the biggest opportunity. I know he talks about the drinks and all that other stuff, but he's, he's really talked about the pharmaceutical. And, uh, and this goes back to a different life of mine, but Vareo uh, has licensed some technology for Ligon Pharmaceutical, big NASDAQ-traded biotech has a technology called Captasol, and uh, so they're very scientific, and they've done other things with uh, uh, nicotine harm reduction, and 
We also know that Bruce likes him. So I, I think there's a really good fit, like strategically, fundamentally. And then the Vareo stock is really cheap. I think, uh, you know, I don't like to tout clients like that. So I'm, I'm not saying to buy it. I have no position in model portfolio or anything, just to be real clear. I don't have any personal positions. But, uh, so I'm not trying to tell anybody to buy it. I'm just saying as an analyst, if you look at it, it's cheap. And probably cheap for a reason. It hasn't gotten liquidity yet. And I think... You know, that's the trade-off that they did. And if you look at the compensation that Bruce got, if I understood it in full, it's all warrant-driven. Yeah. So yes, there's yes. a great alignment there. So I, I have to say... I think, there's, I think there's three tranches. Yeah, of the, they're all, they are all above, at or above the market. I think it was... Uh, I like it. I will say that. And uh, I think Bruce would be well-served to focus himself a little bit instead of spreading himself out all over the place. That would be my personal advice to him, if he asked me. Well, uh, when we when the company came in, uh, I remember speaking with Kyle and just some of the the vision that he was talking about and what really really captivated me and got my ears perked was the Puerto Rico um, the Puerto Rico play. Uh, that was, I think that's interesting. It's uh, very very much tied into the U.S., so it falls under the uh, federal, but it's not. Um, and so I'm just curious as. Uh, being a spectator as to uh, where that shapes up. Now, also in recent news, there was an analyst out of New York who said uh, recently, we are at the bottom. Mm-hmm. This, is, this has been a two-year, this is a two-year uh, descent, and now this is the bottom, and 2020 is basically going to go right up. Um, what are your, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nothing goes straight up, but I don't disagree, and I think that um, some of the some of the crazy valuations that we saw earlier on, um, I didn't look at the market as bottoming out. I just looked at it as coming in line, um, being more realistic. But how do you feel about uh, about that call? So uh, first and foremost, let me say I hope he's right. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's not a call that I'm necessarily going to make right this second, but I, I conceptually I agree with it. And uh, I think if we step back, there's been so much excitement and disappointment. When, and we're talking about Canadian LPs here, so much excitement and disappointment. And the truth is always in the middle. And the pendulum probably has swung too far. And, and so I guess my only disagreement, and maybe I'm just going to be a little bit late, would just be maybe there's a little bit more to go. But with that said, uh, you know, I break the market into at New Chemist Ventures. We have three in the, well, we have one index for the Canadian LPs that has all the publicly traded companies that are listed in Canada. And I think that's 49 right now. Uh, and then there's Sundial and Tilray that aren't don't have Canadian listings. So there's 51 publicly traded LPs, which is just crazy, right? Right. And break that into uh, three different segments. And I have to tell you, it is so sad how few are in the top two segments. The top segment, uh, we put companies that have 10 million or more uh, Canadian dollar revenue per quarter. And then that second uh, tier is two and a half million to 10 million Canadian. And I think off the top of my head, there's, and it's kind of odd because you would expect there to be a lot more in that two and a half to 10. There's nine, nine in the tier one, the 10 million and up nine, but only six in the tier two. And then 35 or whatever the difference is, uh, I'm probably doing my math on 34, whatever it is, 
that are in that tier three. And so what it really shows you, Barrington, is there's been an epic failure in Canada. All these companies that thought they were going to grow and sell cannabis are odd lots. They're not doing it. So we really have a bifurcated market. Now, I would say that in those odd lots, there are some very interesting companies. And I'd also say up at the top, there's some interesting valuations. And when I say interesting companies, that have decent valuations. And I don't want to get into naming those names. People can subscribe to Fortune Investor if they want to know exactly what I'm talking about. But I've written about this publicly. And we have gotten to the point where there are companies out there that are not really burning a lot of cash, that uh, that have very, they're priced at or near their uh, tangible book value or, or their investment. And, and that's a dangerous metric because, you know, you can be worth something, but you have a worthless asset, and you're not worth that. But So that's the first thing, that we have this market. Second, we know that the implementation in Canada has just been filled with errors. And the biggest error of all was not having uh, a retail presence, really, on day one of legalization. What they should have done in hindsight, they didn't ask me, so, uh, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. But I would have told them, get the stores open in advance. Do medical in stores. Get the retail rolled out. But they waited. And so, you know, we've had provincial issues, uh, especially in Ontario. It's, it's just on, insane. On, Ontario is, uh, it, it's been somewhat of a disaster, quite disaster. frankly. Disaster. And so I think, uh, you know, Canada's known to be conservative in its regulatory approach. I appreciate that. Uh, you only get one chance to do this the right way, and, and you're allowed to correct along the course. They've got to get some stores open. And so for this call to be right, they have to get these stores open. I know that Ontario is talking more about that, and they, yep. they certainly seem to be recognizing the problem, but th this is dead on arrival if we don't get more stores in Ontario. Alberta is doing a good job, but Alberta is you know, a much smaller part of the country. Yeah, Alberta has something like 300-plus uh, retail stores. and Ontario Ontario has 20-something? Yeah, going to 50, but it's, you know, it's... And, and some of those stores are doing great because there's nothing around and it shows you people want to go, but no, people are not going to drive 30 minutes to go get no. cannabis from no. those parts, not on a regular basis. Maybe it's a novelty. Uh, you actually touched upon something about driving for 30 minutes. Uh, instead of driving for 30 minutes, people are still going down the, down the street uh, to the black market. They don't have, you don't have to go anywhere. They can just they can, get their cell phone and have it delivered. So this, which uh, I think is headed to Ontario. We talked about, which is good. So what, let's let's talk about the black market and where uh, its role in this whole industry. Now, there are some people who believe the black market should remain, should be there, um, not as a place to get uh, untested uh, products or anything like that, more as a price check and keep the lit industry in line. Uh, I don't know about that. He, he, I, I will tell you this, and it's not just Canada, it's California and it's other places. Uh, and, and people accuse me of being a capitalist pig and just pro-LP, <laughs> pro. And so I really have a, a very uh, warm spot in my heart for the, for the people, for, for a lot of the people, not all of them, because there are some outright thugs and criminals. So I don't want to sound like I'm doing a blanket dismissal of people who've been committing felonies all these years. But at the same time, there are a lot of people who have deep domain expertise and their hearts are in the right place and they've been effectively shut out. And this is wrong. And I think the industry in Canada and elsewhere needs to figure out a better way to bring these people in. I think uh, that there'd be a lot better quality. I mean, I think everything I read tells me that the quality is better. 
Now, some would say, yeah, but they're not, you know, they're using pesticides, so the quality's better. But I don't think that that blanket dismissal is fair. I think that there's a lot of problems with illicit market cannabis, and uh, the government should do whatever they can to allow whomever they can that has that deep domain expertise and passion into the industry, and that applies to everywhere, not just Canada. No, I, I agree 100%. And on a more uh, on a more negative note, in that in that industry, especially the uh, the black market, uh, there's been a vaping crisis, a vaping uh, a massive vaping issue. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think getting rid of certain flavors is a solution. Um, but it's it, it's there, and actually, the sales from the sales from uh, legal operations have increased because because of this. Uh, so in a way, they've uh, they've profited off of the unfortunate instances um, of people getting sick or worse. Um, now, this vaping this this is a crisis because there is so much out there, and there's so much. Uh, there's so many products that people are consuming and using and not knowing uh, what's going on. How would how do you feel that we should tackle this and how do you feel that we should deal with it? And I say we as an industry. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm a small L libertarian. I, I think I used to be a big L libertarian. So I understand uh, that you can't just outlaw things. Uh, they will be supplied. So I think this is uh, the un, you know extremely unfortunate incident. I I've been following this space for seven years and I can remember. You know, in 2013, 2014, uh, in 2013, it was CBD vape pens. But, you know, seeing these CBD vape pens, and I was looking at them, and I was like, I'm not putting this crap in my lungs. And uh, so I've been aware, and it's not just vaping, Barrington. Even in edibles, things that aren't tested, you don't know what's in, in that. Even in flour, uh, lack of testing. So the, the good part about this crisis, if there's a silver lining, is that it really has raised awareness not just about the cannabis, but about the devices, everything. And so there's going to be a huge upgrade here uh, in, the, in the industry. And I, I think that's really the answer that, uh, uh, in the, you know, in the United States, it kind of argues for federal regulation. And uh, as a small L libertarian, you never want to say you're for federal re regulation, but uh, I, I will say that I think uh, that's where we're headed and I'm okay with it. This is, for our industry to move forward, people have to have confidence in the products. Uh, the demand for cannabis is well established, it's always been there, but people have been blind to the risks. So this is a real opportunity for the industry to uh, mitigate those risks and educate, and I think that's what uh, needs to be done, and there's probably some government regulatory uh, role as well. I couldn't agree more. And speaking of government, uh, you're uh, in your beloved country, which is great, and our biggest neighbor and trading partner. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the SAFE Act and what it means, um, where is it passed, what's the next step, and how this will affect uh, the industry, say, in 2020, 2021, going forward. Uh, yeah, go ahead. And you meant the SAFE Banking Act, right? Sorry, yes, the SAFE Banking Act. Yeah, it sounded like maybe States Act. No, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> safe, SAFE Banking is, uh, you know, a step in the right direction. And, and for the listeners that aren't uh, familiar, this this is rather amazing, uh, actually, that we had the House of Representatives pass this thing. This is unprecedented. And so when I came into this industry in 2013, we were dealing with, with a hands-off, uh, kind of an ostrich approach. And uh, there are some real problems with, 
as, not with, as states legalized and not having any sort of federal clarity. And, and we saw that when Donald Trump got elected, that all of a sudden the safe harbors that were provided by the Cole memo were in question. And, and then Jeff Sessions a year later took them away, of course. So uh, this banking is, there, there are a lot of issues that need to be addressed. Uh, uh, I think an, an important one, it's Veterans Day here in the United States on Monday, and I've been talking about this for years. It is insane that is a, in, you can be a veteran in a medically uh, legal state and you can lose your benefits as a result of using state legal medical cannabis, and that has, has to be fixed. Another issue is research. We have to be able to do research. Institutions should not be at risk of losing their funding because they're doing uh, cannabis research. But safe banking doesn't address those. What safe banking addresses is the cash. And you know, how many people have to die before they get some common sense in Washington, D.C. and just say, let's do away with the cash? And so right now, it's not illegal for MasterCard, Visa, American Express, or Discover. They probably wouldn't take Discover, but it's not illegal for them to process the transactions. But but these are conservative institutions, and their interpretation is, is the risk is too great. It's a gray area. So it's not like it's illegal. And there are a lot of banks that are banking. They tend to be more regional banks, yep. uh, not, not the Bank of America and uh, the Citibank and banks like that. But you know, nobody wants to talk about it because they don't want to get their, their uh, deposit, the people that take their deposits uh, in trouble. And, and there's a little bit of a competitive reason as well. Let's, uh, let's shift some gears. And uh, let's talk about some multinationals getting into uh, getting into this space or uh, what everybody's talking about, the other three letters besides THC, which are CBD. Uh, what's your, what, it, what is going on with CBD? It seems like everywhere I go, uh, CBD infused, um, CBD laced, CBD uh, a part of, it, it, it's everywhere, and uh, Walmart, I believe now, is is no exception. What what's going on with this market? So I'm going to one up you. I was in Santa Fe this summer, walking through the plaza, and they had CBD oxygen, which I don't even think really <laughs> exists. But uh, then I went to the farmers market uh, in Colorado, and they like I think a quarter of the places had big signs that said CBD. Uh, so. Uh, it's a race to the bottom right now, and it's a wild west. And uh, I have not heard about Walmart specifically, but that's in line with what we're seeing. All sorts of retailers, the, the, the drugstores like uh, Walgreens and CVS, for example, but also all these retailers that are really struggling in general have announced CBD, a lot of them have announced CBD initiatives. And so, you know, everybody thought there was a green light when hemp, uh, when hemp legislation passed uh, last year, but here we are a year later. And uh, it's a murky environment. And so the, the way it is now, the Walmarts of this world and, and the large uh, food and drugstore companies, they're comfortable selling topicals. That's all they're, they're really comfortable. And then the health food stores are willing to, to push it a little bit more, like Vitamin Shop, for instance. They'll sell the ingestibles. But right now, everybody's waiting on the FDA. Uh, the FDA has asserted its regulatory authority, so everybody's waiting to see what they say. Some people say... That they have no regulatory authority, but I, I, I'm not going to bet on that one. So <laughs> I think uh, CBD is, you know, I, just, I read all the time headlines like hemp farmers bet on hemp and, or farmers bet on hemp and fail. And I think that's a really sad and, and, and prominent story. Uh, the hemp prices are plunging, there's oversupply already, we're just getting started. 
But I think there'll be more demand for CBD over time. I think consumers have to be confused. I mean, you go into the gas station to buy it, which is a, a very frequent uh, point of purchase, and the, the person selling it doesn't even know what it is. So uh, when we get that FDA uh, regulatory authority, and when we get a lot of the snake oil salesmen out, and you know companies can confident like you know uh, there, there are some very well established good CBD companies, and actually. I mean, just to point out what's going on, CD Sciences, which I think is one of those, I follow it closely. <clears throat> it doesn't trade on the CSE. Uh, Not yet. Do you know what I'm talking about? The CD Sciences, they should have moved to the CSE. Yeah. Uh, There's still time. They're still about 25% guaranteeing year over year. 25%. And this is in a growth market. And they talked about the Wild West environment and uh, you know what was going on in the health, health food store channel. Just too many suppliers, a lot of suppliers putting product on the, on, on the shelf for free, uh, and it's just a fight. So it's going to take a while for that market to right itself. Well, Alan, um, this, is, uh, this has been great. This has been long overdue. Uh, we will have to do it again, uh, maybe, sure. on, maybe on location in Miami. Uh, <laughs> in January. In January, February. January or February. February, uh, late February. This, is, uh, this has been extremely informative uh, for our listeners and for those watching. Uh, please check out 420 Investor, uh, New Cannabis Ventures. I'm your host, Barrington Miller, with Hashtag Finance uh, from the Canadian Securities Exchange. And I've had the pleasure of talking with Alan Brockstein, uh, founder of 420 Investor. Thank you very much, Alan. Thanks, Barry. Thanks. Thanks. We're social here at the CSE. Each and every day we'll keep you up to date on trending topics that investors are talking about, such as cannabis, blockchain, and esports. Follow daily CSE news and events on your favorite social media platform, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. You'll find exclusive interviews with leading entrepreneurs from a variety of industries, thought-provoking stories from across the world of finance, and updates from CSE events taking place worldwide. Join the conversation and connect with us today.